This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Fortunately, this was already a planned um, sermon for me, that, that we already have this planned. You guys have heard about Pastor Rhonda and her surgery, but Pastor Kevin and Rhonda and even Trent and Allie, they were, they were actually supposed to be in Montana this last week visiting uh, Pastor Kevin's mom. Um, so this was planned. This is not a last-minute thing, so I actually had some time to put some thought into this. So yeah, you guys should be blessed by that. <laughs> Because you know me last minute, you, know, you just never know what you're going to get. I just want to welcome you guys today, um, both here in-house and online. Um, I'm assuming that Pastor Kevin are watching, um, depending on their situation right now. So we, we love you guys, and we appreciate you, um, and we pray for you. Um, I, I just want to let you guys know that tragedy has struck the Sasser household, Okay. Don't, why are you laughing? Tragedy has struck the Sasser, and more importantly, it has struck me, okay? There's this tragic thing that happened Friday. My phone absolutely just died on me. Like, like not battery-wise, like it will not function one bit. You can't get into anything in my phone. The tragedy is that I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore. I have no idea. I can't even go to the bathroom and I'm like, what do I do in here now? Well, I mean, what you're supposed to do, really. Actually, I've, everyone's like, no, don't talk about that. You're preaching right now. But there's, there's seriously like this thing that's missing in my life, right? I, I'm so used to like, oh, I'm bored. Let me just check Facebook or, you know, text somebody or, or whatever. Like there's, there's something missing in my left hand. And, and I really have just had this anxiety the last few days. And, and really, this sermon is not only going to speak to you guys, but it's going to speak to me today as well. Um, the sermon is called Lifeline. And very much, I need a lifeline back in my hand, my phone. I need my phone back. One's on order. I have no idea how many days I'm going to go without a phone, though. So please also pray for me. <clears throat> so as we start this, I wanted to to define what this word lifeline means. So let's start there. A thing on which someone or something depends, like my phone, or which provides a means of escape from a difficult situation. A rope or line used for life-saving, typically one thrown to rescue someone in difficulties in water or one used by sailors to secure themselves to a boat. A lifeline, something that is there for us when we need it something that is already there for us, something that is provided to us that we need when we are in trouble. Have you guys ever been um, in a situation where you were given instructions to something, yet you had no idea how to do it, and then you were left on your own to accomplish it? You were left on your own to just figure it out. I've got one hand raised over there. Anybody else? You're just, you had been given this impossible task and you're like, I have no idea how to do this. So many people are just like, yes, that's me. I've been handed those instructions as well. They're called Ikea instructions. 
right? The impossible task of putting together IKEA furniture. The other day I was trying to put a Google horn inside of an oven fluff, and I just couldn't get it to fit. If you don't understand what that is, you've never been to Ikea. Their names of their furniture are ridiculous. But anyways, you guys can see these impossible instructions right here. These are not real Ikea instructions, okay? They usually have like people on them, which is funny, but. So it, it's a funny idea to say, no, this is impossible to put this piece of furniture together or whatever, but there's, there's a real thing to this. There, there's an isolation to this. There's a pain that can come from this. There's, you can feel alone when you're faced with these situations and tasks that, that you've been handed that are impossible or at least seemingly impossible for you to handle by yourself. One of the hardest things that I actually had to do, um, by the way, I have successfully put together IKEA furniture, but one of the things that I have had, had done in my life, in my career, um, if you don't know, I've spent like 20-some years in the construction industry um, as a sheet metal foreman, and I was given this project. And this project, at first, I was like, no, this should be a piece of cake. It doesn't seem like a lot of work. But after I was given more instruction, I quickly realized that this was a near-impossible task for me. Because I had worked underneath people, and I'd worked as a subcontractor on projects, but this project, I was the general contractor. So I was the person that had to work with the subcontractors, schedule all of their work, not only my work, but their work, and then I had to create this job schedule that was for the, not just a week or two, it was for the entire project. I had to give it to the owners, in which it was, it was a penitentiary that was in the Portland area that I was working at. And so there's all these guidelines and restrictions and you couldn't get in this area, but you could get in this area, but we had to move inmates from here to here. And it was this, it was this almost seemingly impossible task. And, and yes, I was able to complete that task. Well, I actually handed it off to somebody. So he, he had to complete the task and he ended up quitting um, after that job. So Maybe that wasn't the best example of successfully doing something. <laughs> but in a situation like that, it would have been so nice if I would have had some help, if I would have had somebody that knew what they were doing to step in and, and lend me a hand. It would have been nice if I would have had a lifeline. You guys remember that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Raise your hand. You ever watch that show? Whether you watch it or not, um, the show had these things called lifelines. You guys remember that? And there was three different lifelines you could, you could use while trying to reach this million dollars. One of the lifelines was phone a friend. The other was ask the audience, which that one audience almost always got it wrong. And then the last one was that they would actually remove part of the questions that you were choosing or the answers that you were choosing from. And that, so there was these lifelines. And how many of you have been in situations in your life, like I was just describing in my life, but how many of you have been in situations in your life where you're like, no, I would love to phone a friend. No, I would love for some of these answers to be taken away. I would love for my choices to be lessened. I would love to ask an audience of people to go, what do I do? How do I accomplish this? Maybe you have been in a financial situation 
where you just don't, you just don't know how you're going to get through not just this month, but next month and the month after that, you don't see how this is possible. Maybe you have been in a relationship and that relationship is maybe really strained and maybe um, they're just not seeing your perspective or maybe you had a relationship that has recently ended. Maybe you have just started a relationship and you don't know what you're doing. Maybe your kids have been struggling with school. Maybe they've been at home for months and now there's this transition to going back to school part-time, not all the time. So now you gotta figure out what, how are they gonna be home, but how are they gonna get to school? How, how is this all gonna work? Maybe these impossible situations that we've been tasked with that we just don't know how to do. In these situations, it would be nice to have a lifeline. It would be nice to have someone to come to our rescue. It would be nice to have help when we require it. Amen? So last week, we celebrated Easter. How many of you guys uh, either watched or were here for the Easter service last week? Great service. Agreed? Yes? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. How many thought it was a great service last week for Easter? Oh, there it is. There it is. All right, if you didn't get to see it, go back and watch it, right? We, there is that technology now. We have that. So last week, we celebrated Easter. Jesus was risen last Sunday. Again, happens every year, okay? It's one of those things that, as Christians, we, we really love to celebrate, right? We love Easter. Why? Because Jesus, this person who is the foundation of our faith, comes comes into play into all of the messages streaming around the world. There's one message about Jesus and this risen Savior. But have you ever thought about what happened after that? Have you ever thought about the, the days, the weeks, the months after Jesus was risen and then he went off to heaven? Have you ever considered what the disciples were feeling? Have you ever considered what they were going through, maybe the circumstances that they were in. It, it was a really uneasy time back then, and, and a lot of Christians were being, uh, you know, chased and pursued, and, and they were dying. It was a really scary time for them. Have you ever thought about what the disciples were going through? Jesus had came and he had given them this great commission. He had spent about, after his resurrection, he spent about 40 days with the disciples. And he was like, no, this is, this is what you're to do, right? Here's my great commission. Here, you gotta go seek and save the lost. And then Jesus was like, see ya, right? What do they do? How do they do this? It's the impossible task. What they needed was a lifeline, Luke, one of the gospel writers, gives us a glimpse into how the disciples were feeling, what they were going through in this situation. So let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It's really easy to remember, Acts 1, 1. And we're going to read about 11 verses here, so bear with me. 
Luke says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving, giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and, and gave many convicting proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes. Jesus was taken up, went to heaven. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly Two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Okay, so Jesus, risen from the dead, came back for 40 days. He unfolds this plan and he says, hey, there's this gift that's coming. Hey, you're going to be, in a few days, you're going to be filled with this, this Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he takes off. Jesus leaves. He ascends to heaven and a cloud covers. And the disciples are standing there just staring up into the sky. Have you ever been there before? You just don't know what to do? You're just staring? I, no idea. Where do I go from here? Well, thank God they had a couple angels come to them and say, hey, stop staring at the sky. You get going. You've got, you've got stuff to do. Let's, let's move on from here. The Holy Spirit was to come in and act like a lifeline to the disciples. And matter of fact, in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. It is best for you that I go away. The Son of God, in, in human form, this man that has transformed the earth, the world as we know it for all time, it is better for him to leave. Why? Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I don't go away, then I will, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Only if Jesus leaves will he then send this advocate. This advocate. We know we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, but what does this word advocate mean in this passage? In Greek, it's pronounced, well, I'm probably going to butcher it. I think it's parakletos. That's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's like my English version of that Greek word. So Pericletos is one who appears in another's behalf, a mediator, intercessor, helper, one who is called to someone's aid. Does that sound like somebody that could act and function as a lifeline? A mediator, intercessor, a helper? The Holy Spirit 
was that to the disciples. He was their lifeline. He was their intercessor, mediator, and help. Now, if you don't know a lot about the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of, there could be a lot of controversy about the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm not going to get into the whole person of the Holy Spirit this morning because I don't have the next three weeks to preach to you, right? There's just so much to him to understand. So I just want to bring a little bit of context this morning so we're all on the same page as we continue on. So there's this Trinity, this Godhead three in one. So in the roles of the Trinity, there's God the Father, the Creator. There's Jesus, the Son of God, the way God sacrificed for mankind's renewed relationship. Sometimes he's called brother and, and also friend as well. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the one who, who gives us this inner renewal. He's our spiritual guide, and some people would call it our conscience. So that's the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's role in our lives as a Christian, really quickly, he can produce these things that, that they're, they're these character traits and there's these things that transform our lives and they're called the fruit of the Spirit. It's these things that actually happen inside of us. He transforms who we are and transforms our character to be more loving and joyful and peaceful and for, have forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit's work in each one of you. In John 16, 8, it tells us that the Holy Spirit will convict us. In Ephesians 1.13, it says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that he has ownership and protection over us. In Romans 8.11, it says that he indwells in us, that he lives inside of us. He is internal, not external. Acts 1.8 says that he empowers us, that the power of God is not just present in the world, but it is present inside of each and every one of you. Ephesians 5.18 tells us that the Holy Spirit fills us. It gives us what we require and what we desire. Not all the time, because what we desire has to align with what God has planned for your life. But I want to... Um, ask a question, or make a statement, sorry. Jesus didn't expect his disciples. I want you to listen. listen. Jesus didn't expect his disciples to change the world on their own. And he didn't expect you and me to do it alone either. He gave all, everyone say all. If you're online, put it in the chat. All, he gave all of us the Holy Spirit. Now that word all is a very important word. Because it's not exclusive, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't just fall and drop on who he comes and chooses. If you have accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit already living inside of you. You have this indwelling. You have this power. You have all of these things inside of you already. So today I want to remind you of this. I want to challenge your hearts in three different ways. As we step into the next three points, I want you guys to really understand that I'm trying to not just teach you more about who the Holy Spirit is, but how that helps and transforms your life. So number one, the Holy Spirit reshapes us. He reshapes us from the inside. He reshapes us from the inside. How? Well, because... He's inside of us. 
He is our internal lifeline. He, he not only wants you to be a person that acts better on the outside, but he actually wants to transform who you are. He wants to transform your heart and who you are on the inside. Why? Because God cares about your soul more than he cares about your physical being. Because your physical being is going to wither and fade and die. But your soul will last eternity. Where your soul lasts in eternity is the choice that you have to make. And that's why we have the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us to transform us to look a lot more like Jesus. So we're going to go back to this word indwelling, right? So this word indwelling is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He dwells inside of us. So Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and it says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. Because he lives in you. You have life in your body. You have this life, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead the same power that raised this man God from the dead is living inside of each and every one of us. You have this already inside of you. He is our internal guide. He's our moral compass. Have you ever felt off about something before? You've had to make a decision and you've got a couple choices, and you can make your list of, of good and bad, and you know I, some of us do that. Um, and, and you can go, well, the good definitely outweighs the bad in, in this situation. And you're like, no, why? Well, I, I should probably make this choice. But you just feel something off inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit trying to lead you and guide you and transform you. He's trying to make you look a lot more like Jesus. That's the point, because Jesus is our ultimate goal. The life that Jesus led is our ultimate goal. As Christians, that is who we look at and we reflect this life of Jesus so that others, so that others will be attracted to that light, that light, that life. Just like a lighthouse is keeping people safe, there's this light that we are supposed to shine, and the Holy Spirit transforms that inside of us. The Holy Spirit also reshapes us by proving. And I want to look at this word, to prove. John 16, 8 says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, this doesn't feel good. This verse doesn't feel good, but I actually really appreciate that God's word doesn't always make us feel good, Right? Why? Because it proves. Because this word prove is to scrutinize, examine carefully, bring to light, expose, to bring a person to the point of recognizing wrongdoing, to convict, convince someone of something. There's this conviction that comes. This proving is conviction that should come inside of your life. The conviction is our spiritual guidance the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Why? Because, again, he is already inside of you. He wants to direct our lives, shift our hearts. He wants to direct our decisions. You have to listen. There's that still, small voice 
inside of you. Typically, he comes as a whisper. He doesn't come as a hurricane. The Holy Spirit not only uses our internal conviction, but he uses external things as well. He's not limited. Amen? The Holy Spirit is not limited to just working in one single way. That's one of the things I love most about the Holy Spirit is that he works in so many different ways to transform you and me and this world to look a lot more like Jesus. So number two, the Holy Spirit reshapes us by external means. This is our external lifeline. He works on us from the outside. The Holy Spirit doesn't save you from your situation. He transforms you through them. Whatever you're dealing with today is a work in progress. You're a work in progress because of what you're going through today. The situations that you're dealing with right now, the Holy Spirit is using those to reshape who you are. One of the best ways that the Holy Spirit actually transforms us from external things is the thing called the Bible. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before, but it's this book that we have. It's got a lot of words in it. Sometimes we read it, sometimes we don't. But this book called the Bible, if you really read it, it is the Word of God, right? What does that mean? It's the Word of, it is literally God in word form, If you read the Bible, you are literally reading about God and who he is. So the best way to change your heart and change your soul and change your life to look a lot more like Jesus, there's this interpretation, there's this teaching that the Holy Spirit does through the word of God to transform you and me. John 14, 26 says, but the advocate the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. It's through the interpretation of the Bible that the Holy Spirit teaches us and brings the Scripture back into our minds. So when we're faced with circumstances that are beyond our control, that there's this lifeline there. There's this scriptural lifeline there. How many people have been in a situation where the Word of God has met you in the situation where you're at? Raise your hand. If, if you've ever been reading the Bible and you're like, oh my goodness, that is totally applicable to what I'm, what I'm going through right now, or maybe the Holy Spirit has brought Scripture back into your mind going, no, do you remember that God is always there for you? Do, do you remember the power of God that is dwelling within you? Do you remember that I, I am the one that has defined you? The Holy Spirit reshapes us with what we face every single day. He uses our joy. He uses our pain. He uses our suffering, our good times, our bad times to change who we are. He's limitless in how he uses the world around us. Have you ever heard a song that's touched your heart and maybe you're driving and you just start crying? That's never been a thing for me. I don't cry. But I'm, I'm sure you guys do. No? Okay. Nobody cries here. Um, I do cry. 
like twice a year. Um, <laughs> I want to be a better believer. I want to be a better Christian. How many people can say that maybe that's why you're here today? To learn how to be a better believer, how to be a better Christian, how to be a better follower of Christ. Well, Paul's teaching the Ephesians how to do this. In chapter 5, verse 18, he says, do not get drunk on wine. All right, that's step one. Don't be drunk, okay? Better Christian, no alcohol. No, I'm just kidding. So this, you, you have to read the whole thing to have the whole context, but this is just the verse I picked. Just go with it. Do not get drunk with, on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the, with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So every time after church, I don't want you to go and have a conversation with someone unless you're speaking in songs or hymns, or, right? Sing me a song at the end. Paul's speaking about how to live and how to be a better Christian, but instead of giving a step-by-step process, step one, stop drinking, right? He did say that. Step two, um, make good choices. Step three, love Jesus harder, right? He didn't, he didn't go down this list of how you are to act as a Christian. What does he do? He says, if you want to be a better Christian, get the Holy Spirit inside you. Use this power that God has offered you. He actually tells us well, he, tell, he told the Ephesians, which in a way is telling us as well, that the right way to live, he tells them to receive the one who teaches you the right way to live. Because he didn't, he didn't give the process, he gave the teacher. Through the filling of the, of the Holy Spirit, he gives us all that we need and all that we want. You, you're not lacking in anything when you have the Holy Spirit working inside of you. Amen? Number three, the Holy Spirit reshapes the world by the work he does through us. He is the world's lifeline. He's not just your lifeline. He's not just my lifeline. He is the world's lifeline. But the Holy Spirit, yes, he's all around us. He's working in everything. But he's not a physical being. He can't be over here to talk to to Tommy about the problems Tommy's going through. That's our job. The Holy Spirit works through us to teach the world about Jesus. The Holy Spirit in the Bible is described as, as many different things. It's described as wind and fire and cloud and light and water. There are these things that we can understand. He's described as these these elements, these natural things that we can understand. Wind and fire and water. And all of these elements have an aspect of changing the world around us. Light changes the world. Water can transform a landscape. Wind. All of these things have the power to transform this world around us. And I want to tell you that the power of the Holy Spirit in you has a power to transform the world around you. 
through what you do through him. The Holy Spirit works through us in the same way. He works in us and through us to change the world directly around us. He emboldens us to do so. Job 32, 18. You know, I look at the, the book of Job and you've got this man that was, this, everything was taken from him. His family, all of his children, his wife, his, all of his possessions, everything had been taken from him. But this is what Job says. For I am full of words and the spirit within me compels me. He still relied on the power of the Holy Spirit that was living inside of him. Regardless of his situation, regardless of what's going on around him, he's, he had these friends that were trying to tell him, no, this is, you're doing something wrong, Job. But Job's like, no, let me tell you through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me, I am full of words. I will tell you what the Lord says. You know, after the disciples witnessed Jesus' ascension into heaven, they were dumbfounded. They didn't know what to do. They were staring into the clouds. They didn't know what the next steps were. They, they had a mission, but they didn't know how to accomplish it. So what they do? They, they did what Jesus told them to do is they waited and they gathered and, and they prayed. And in a few days, the Holy Spirit came and they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It emboldened them to do what they did next. They were filled with the Spirit and became so empowered, emboldened by Him that they immediately went out and began speaking about Jesus. And what happened? Thousands of people, not 10, not 20, not hundreds, thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus Christ because of the work of the Spirit that was inside of them. The world began to change and shift. Jesus Christ started and the Holy Spirit is here to help us finish the work. In conclusion, I want to tell you one more story. It's about me. It's about my brother. Some of you have met my brother, probably not that many, but his name's Daniel. Um, to this day, my brother will tell you that I have saved his life. And, not, and I'm not joking. My brother will tell you that I saved his life. When we were young, we were probably like around six to eight years old, somewhere around there. We were at... Aldersgate in Turner, the campground there. Have you guys been there before? So we were having church campground. You guys ever been to church campground? Yeah, I'm dating myself. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. So we were at campground and we were, we were young and it was between all the activities and the services and, and there's Mill Creek that runs through there. And so we decided to go and, and play in the creek. And we'd, we'd done it before and, and it wasn't a big deal, but you know, as you kind of started to creep out into the creek, it would get deeper, you know, and we didn't, we could kind of float, but we couldn't really swim back then. And so we were, we were playing around and, 
And off to our right, there was this area where there was some rocks and probably logs, I don't know. It was like a thousand years ago. So, but anyways, the water like funneled down and it got really, really swift. And it went into a lot deeper area that we couldn't, we couldn't touch our feet to the bottom. And so, and, and if you can only float, you can only float so long before you hit the bottom. Well, we were playing around and my, bro- my brother, his feet got swept out from underneath him because he got a little bit too close to where the water was moving a little bit too fast for his tiny little frame of a body. And he got swept out and he started floating down the river. And just as he got to these rocks, he grabbed one of them and he's looking at me and he's yelling, help me. There's this pain and this distraught and there's this agony and he's, he's alone, he needs my help. And being the superhero that I am, I was able to wait over there. I had a couple pounds on him, not like I do now, but I was able to just get over to him. I was scared. The look in his eye, I didn't know if I was gonna be swept into the water. I was able to reach out and grab his hand and pull him to safety. There's just something about somebody else being so close that they're just an arm reach away. And that's, that's what God not only does, but is consistently doing with you. This, this is the position that God is in all the time. Will you pick this up? Will you receive this? I'm offering this. I have this gift of the Holy Spirit. I have this power that is already inside of you. Will you use it? Will you seek my face? Will you be a better Christian? Will you use the one that I've already given you? Will you grab the lifeline? Because our help didn't end with Jesus. Our help didn't end with Jesus. And and I'm not trying to like lower the position of who Jesus is. Jesus is so important. The name of Jesus above all other names. But our help didn't end with Jesus. It continues with the Holy Spirit who you have already living inside you and arms reach away. You know, when I was given the opportunity to share, it was almost immediate that I had this idea for this sermon because I felt like, what do you you preach on after Easter? Easter's such a big, big Sunday. What do, you, what do you do? What can you bring to the table that's gonna matter? It's the same thing that Jesus brought. It's the same thing that Jesus said, if I don't go, he won't come. So I made the decision to speak on this person, this presence of the Holy Spirit living in each and every one of you, this helper, this lifeline. So I pray today that you guys will reach out to that lifeline, that not only will you pray to Jesus, 
but you will pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you each and every day. That the power that is already inside of you will begin to transform who you are from the inside, from the outside, so that your person, your soul, your body, whoever you want to be in the future, goes out and changes the world for Jesus Christ. Why? Because He cares about your heart. He cares about your soul. He cares about who you are on the inside. Yes, He cares about your physical body, but He cares about your heart and your soul more. He wants you in heaven. You guys pray with me. God, I just thank you so much for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, there's so many things about the Holy Spirit that we don't understand. God, there's so much that we don't use or utilize in our everydays. God, I pray that you would continue to remind us and teach us about who the Holy Spirit is. God, that the Holy Spirit would be present in our lives every single day. God, that when we wake up, we start reading your word, we start filling our lives with who you are. God, that the Holy Spirit would begin to teach us more about who you are and how we can be a better Christian. Thank you, Jesus. God, again, I just pray for everyone in this building. God, everyone watching online. God, it's so important that we grasp this idea of the Holy Spirit. God, that we have this helper, this person that is there to, to give us that lifeline. God, because without recognizing those things, God, without understanding who you are and and what you've given us. God, we can feel helpless. God, we can feel alone. God, we can feel like we have this mission that can't be accomplished. But God, it can be accomplished through you. God, it can be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we lean on that today. God, we lean on you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.